Welcome to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. I am Steph here with a fellow podcast host from Vancouver, BC, Josh Biggins. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, being here and I'm a fan of what you've built and I'm excited to be a part of it. Well, I have to tell you, this is the first time I might be riffing with a fellow podcast host. So (laughs) it is very cool to have caught up on your podcast and seen, you know, overlap in some folks that we obviously both think are awesome. And I mean, I don't think either of us consider podcasting to be our day jobs, but it is something that we love to do. And it's really fun to be able to, to riff with somebody who's usually on the other side of the mic asking questions. Oh my gosh, all the time. I think humans are awesome. You know, the stories that we build and create and tell each other are are super fun to explore. And podcasting is probably the most fun and most intimate way to do that that we've ever seen. So I'm excited to be a part of the space. Yeah, cool. Now, I must tell you, Josh, one thing that I feel very passionately about is that the World Wide Web is amazing and there's a lot that we can find out about people online. And yes. I will make sure to include in our show notes links of how you spend your professional days, of uh, the topics that we can't talk about on the podcast, like publicly traded companies because <laughs> we manage their wealth. However, I would love to dive into the conversations that we can only have in person over microphones like these and it Mm. happens to be recorded and now it will be on the world wide web and you you sent me a few little nuggets and I didn't want to ask you about them beforehand I just want to know more about your brain and what you think about and your thoughts on on some topics that that you threw out that I was really excited about so do you mind if we just dive in there let's dive in let's do it what do you got well number one on the hot list was age is a variable hmm what the heck? Yeah. What's your relationship with age? Yeah, age is like a really funny one. I think that we live in this world where anyone can do anything at any time. You can start your sixth business at 82. You can start your first business at 82. You can be a consultant at 19, you know, whatever it may be. Like everything is just opened up in a way that it's never been before. But the problem with that is, and I profess to this because I, I am a young person, is you know, as you enter any workspace, you know, experience is, there's no way to fake the funk when it comes to experience. And there's value there that can only be uncovered through time in the game or just time as a human. And so, you know, for me, I'll profess to say that, you know, everything I say is essentially uh, a thesis. You know, everything is, it's, it's an idea. I'm working through it. All of my ideas are conversations. And, you know, I think, in order to position yourself as a young person correctly, it's really important to not subscribe to one ideology early on. That's one of my missions is just to say, hey, listen, spend 10 years professionally being as open as possible and as open to all possibilities and ways of thinking, et cetera, et cetera, and not try to dive too deep into you know, any sort of monolithic thought or whatever it may be. But it's hard as a young person because we were so unsure and we want to grab on to something that feels right and say, yes, I represent this. This is my identity. This is what I need, you know, versus adapting a sort of confidence and 
saying, I don't really know what's right, but I'm open to learning. And I know there's a lot of smart people around me. Maybe I can find something out mm-hmm. and taking that approach. Interesting. Do you have someone who you would classify as a young person that you look up to in this domain who's sort of going against the grain or breaking the conversation or the construct of of what it means to be quote unquote young and dare I say successful? (laughs) Dare you say successful? (laughs) Yeah, you know what? There's there's a couple of young people in my sphere that takes similar approaches. And I think the qualities that differentiate them are, yeah, the open-mindedness is one, the honesty, the integrity, of course. But beyond that, I think what those people have done is just position themselves in such a way where older people, you know, when I say older, I mean, you know, 40, 50, 60, or whatever it may be, can really utilize their youth and, and they put themselves in the right positions to win for advanced organization and to be successful, quote unquote, as like a 20, whatever year old. I really, I really think it, there's a cheat code in that. All you really have to do is one, work your ass off. That opens the door for you. That just gives you a seat at the table. doesn't guarantee success. Two, you have to have the integral floor, the moral standard and the compass. And you have to have a, a personal operating system like Steve talks a lot about in and have actual the habits to, you know, whether that's physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, whatever it may be to win. So it's kind of, if you look at it from a young person perspective, it's really hard to be a really, really good quote unquote old person, but it's really easy to be a really good quote unquote young person Mm -hmm. because no one expects anything from you. You just have to have the basis, show up, be positive and all, all the things I just mentioned and your foot's in the door. What more could you ask for? Okay, but I asked if you knew anyone. Do you have an example oh, for us? I was, try- I was trying to sidestep those names so so hard. You know what? There, there are a couple of people. I work with some people at Self Hire that are just amazing. We have a young woman, Suman Condola, who's pretty kick-ass and is very young as well. There's a gentleman by the name of Buck who runs a digital... It's a digital benefits company, essentially, fintech here in Vancouver. I actually interviewed mm-hmm. him on episode 40 of my podcast. He is 24 uh, he's someone I look up to a lot. He's a 25 under 25, which means, I don't know what that means. There's a woman out at UBC who's an author and a speaker. Her name is Stephanie Yu, and she is just absolutely amazing. One of the most, her capacity for thought is astounding, and that's what attracts me to young people that I think are truly great is their capacity for expansive thought as a young person. Mm. It's just like that stuff blows me away. Yeah. So I love that. So So, I mean... There's a couple, there's a gentleman named uh, Julian DeShetter, who's super young and onto this thing called Chasing Sunrise. Oh, now, yeah, these, there's a, yeah, there's a woman named Jamila Pomeroy, who I'm a huge fan of, who founded Avocado Toast. And like, there's so many amazing minds, but I think they share a lot of similar qualities. Cool. You know, I love this topic a lot because I'm no longer a 28-whatever-year-old. 28 um, <laughs> and in fact, I remember vividly at the end of my 20s, feeling like I couldn't wait to be 30. And hopefully then I would feel like I had credibility in the business world. And as soon as I became an entrepreneur, I no longer cared about my age. And in some weird ways, when starting to work with my brother, who happens to be three years younger than me, who's often mistaken for being older than me, I think, am I like reverse aging? And do I look so young and immature? (laughs) And in fact, I just think, what if I'm youthful and honest? I have nothing to cover up. And 
I have nothing to hide. And like the youthfulness in me is still as relevant now as it is when I was in my twenties. And I think there's something very magical about the younger generation because they haven't gotten in their own way yet. And I think that life experiences hurt us as we age and we remember getting fired. We remember getting dumped. We remember a bad performance review. We remember losing a bunch of money. All of these things add up and cause us to see the world in a slightly smaller point of view. And in fact, the beauty of possibility that the 20 whatever year olds see, it comes from a really wonderful place of they still think it's all possible. And, <laughs> and they are in an age that, you know, if you're 10 years younger than me, you have a relationship with technology and social media that I don't. And yeah. that also is giving you license to a whole new world. And that's the next thing I want to riff with you on. And that is, you mentioned conscious social media. And I just want to go off the top. What is your relationship with and how do you manage or handle your own social accounts? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, as a young person, you kind of, you speak that language automatically. You're just born into it. So I'm, so I'm 23. I was born in 96 where everyone's like, how old is this kid? You know, so for me, this is amazing. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You know, my, my relationship has morphed so much. I actually just came back from a little bit of a getaway and went to Southeast Asia and just spent a lot of time away from technology, away from my phone, a lot of time downloading information and just processing and my relationship with technology now i mean i i basically crafted three rules for myself in that there's three things that are really important and rules that i think i don't know if everyone should follow but in terms of me and my health and my enable just to, to maximize my human growth experience and that's like number one social media gives us the ability to control the narrative of our lives the way that never before i mean Steph, you were able to go back, see my story a little bit, understand how I talk, what I'm interested in. And again, you're able to tap into the story that I've written and extrapolate out from that. And that's how we're able to have such an amazing conversation. But I have the power to do that. And that's what social does. So take that power to heart and make sure that, you know, whatever narrative you are putting out there, that's your narrative. The second rule being create, don't consume. Basically, as I go out and I list out every positive and every negative associated with social. Why is it positive? I mean, positive, it's positive to me because it promotes creativity. It's positive to me because it, it promotes sharing and, and community. It's scalable communication. You can build brand. You have the ability to craft the narrative, as I said, and it allows anyone in the world to, to contact you. It's amazing. Well, and those are a lot of positives, but it's also a lot of negatives. And what I find with the negatives is that they're, they're all connected with this idea of, you know, consuming and not creating. They're all connected with this idea of constant intake. And whether that's like increasing your screen time, I think increased screen time is associated with decreased quality of life. I know our friend Steve Rio might say a similar thing. You know, I think that technology addiction is, again, the tobacco of, of 2020. I think in a way it invades people's privacy. I think it clouds thinking and judgment of what is real and what is fake. I think it promotes jealousy. I think it's maybe the most addictive behavior I have personally. And I know that even after a while, I'll physically feel sick after, you know, spending a lot of time in front of screens or on social. And I just don't think it's a healthy headspace. So it's create, don't consume. I do think it's an amazing tool for controlling your narrative and putting out valuable content. 
but I don't think I want that content to come the other way because I need space in my life. And the last rule is never check engagement because that shit just doesn't matter, dude. (laughs) It it never did. And I don't think it ever will. I don't think it's ever been about popularity. It's been about quality. Mm -hmm. And I think we've been hardwired to think otherwise. And I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy to turn the other cheek. Dude, mic drop on the podcast. I, <laughs> I must agree that I share your sentiment about consuming versus generating. And I think it is my constant reminder of, am I generating a conversation? Am I generating a thought pattern? Am I generating something that I would want to share with my friends who I am not with right now? And unfortunately, yeah. or fortunately, my social network seems to have grown beyond only my friends. And there are many folks on mm-hmm. there that I actually don't know. You know and, and frankly, they don't know me either. So it's a two-way street. And yet I can't mm-hmm. help but think, how can we be a part of generating bigger things for all of us here? And as soon as I get in the trap that it is called consuming, I just feel I'm with you. I feel sick and it doesn't, it doesn't feel great at all. Yeah, I agree. And, and I don't mean to, to cut you off there, but I think in, in a real way, you know, the benefit is human connection, which is human connection gives us purpose. It gives us meaning in life. That's what the fallacy of social was. I mean, and I, and a lot of people would argue and say, well, you know, my DMs are maybe the most valuable thing I have on social. And I would agree with you. And I would say, why don't you just migrate those conversations off of social? Mm. You know, why don't you, if, if you really want to have those conversations, I give up my phone number freely and I'm not saying I respond to every text, but mm. I would much rather have that conversation there where I can actually own the relationship. And I'm not constantly distracted because if I'm having a conversation with you on Instagram, I guarantee that's a distracted conversation. Hmm. Interesting. Now, does this mean you're off social? Are you on social platforms at all? I'm creating. There's a, there's a little motion, a little funny motion we do with our thumbs and that motion is scrolling. And that's, yeah. that's the motion that I, uh, I despise and I, I don't, in, I try not to engage in. Mm. And so I'm on social, but it's, it's few and far between. It probably, you know, it went from being two plus hours of my day, probably in 2018, 20, you know, summer 2019 to being, you know, 15 to 30 minutes of my day now. Wow. Do you have timers on your phone to cut you off of social? I actually, I did. I think timers are an amazing tool and we need that. For me, I've literally just programmed my brain into that one thumb motion. Like I, I'll, all the time, I'll catch myself instinctually doing one scroll and as soon as I do that, I'll double tap X and I'm gone. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I like it. This also segues into a conversation that you had proposed around mental and emotional hygiene, dare I say physical hygiene. And I'm you say. <laughs> because normally we're not like running on the treadmill and checking the gram. <laughs> but I, I just wonder where they intersect for you and if it is a topic sort of independent of itself, what is your relationship with hygiene on almost less of a physical level? Yeah, I mean, sure. We were all, we were all introduced to the idea of brushing our teeth and washing our face before exactly. we go to bed and showering and whatever, whatever. Sure. But for me, there's many parts of that. I think primarily we need to look at hygiene as like hygiene is your base level. You wake up, you brush your teeth. That's what you do. And that allows you to be a healthy human. Well, I think the idea of a healthy human has expanded so much to be a healthy human. Now we have to think about that again in three ways. So, you know, for me, I set up systems for each one of those three, you know, 
and for from the mental side it's meditation and social media addiction um and, and making sure i'm you know connected to nature and, and breathing properly so creating habits and routines around that physically it's making sure i'm sweating twice a day period like it's there's no there's no if ands or buts in that and even if they're small sweats that's fine but i need to i'm a big believer in heartbeats like you are i think if there was a pill that did everything for us that physical activity did we would be you know it'd be the most expensive pill on the face of the earth and it's available to us for free and so there's a base system for physical hygiene there's a base system for mental hygiene and the new one in 2020 is the base system for emotional hygiene mm. and what that means to me is making sure i'm constantly checking in with what's going on beneath the surface whether that's through counseling or therapy or more specifically breath work these days and the second part to that is making sure i have systematically programmed time for the relationships i care about because again you know so much of anxiety and, and depression is linked to feeling alone and i think at the end of the day we're very much not alone but we don't because workism is now our religion we don't make time for the relationships that actually give us deep meaning and purpose and fulfillment and ultimately happiness in life so as much as as i continue to riff i think as much as you know we thought of hygiene in one way i think now as a advanced society we need to think in hygiene in in multiple ways mm. because without that basic hygiene you're not able to make decisions and as a as a worker in the knowledge economy as we both are we get paid off of the quality of the decisions we make mm. period yeah. and i can't show up and make great decisions if i don't have outstanding mental hygiene emotional hygiene and physical hygiene yeah Amen. It's super important. Say no more. And it's, it used to be, I used to think it was easier said than done. And this sounds like a great idea, but how do you implement it? And unfortunately, I think it is a matter of, for some people, and I'll say myself included, you hit rock bottom, you hit the bottom, you become exhausted and anxiety rules and you experience okay. certain things in life that you're like, this is it. This is life. And I am making choices every day that are either going to keep me alive and thriving or not. And it's mm -hmm. really just that straightforward. So mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. Now I have to say, I'm wildly impressed if you're sweating twice a day. Is there any, and not that there needs to be, of course, but is there a purpose or a goal or is this truly for your everyday health? Oh man, I'm struggling so much with this right now. I'm, um, I used to, to play basketball on a high level and, and I uh, suffered multiple knee injuries and I'm not able to play anymore. And, and that was always my goal was to become the best basketball player I could be. And you know what? I think right now I'm a little bit without a North Star and saying, you know, I need to, you know, just being honest in that, I think, I, yeah, it's, it's, it is for the, listen, I don't know what the purpose is right now, but I know that, you know, first off, I need this to make good decisions. I need this to live a good life. I need to work out hard to live a good life. You know, that gives me context on the rest of pain in life. And I need this to be able to, well, it's also just fun. I, we mentioned before the call was just like filtered with fun. I find sweating incredibly fun. It's one of the most fun things I do in a day. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not going to let that go just because I don't have a specific, you know, I'm trying to run an Ironman, I'm trying to run a, a marathon or, or whatever it may be, or lift a certain amount of weight or compete in whatever events. So yeah, I'm still kind of searching for that North Star. Cool. Well, yeah. sometimes that's part of the journey that's a lot of fun because there's a lot of stars out there. And there doesn't only need to be one. 
So yeah. whatever the star is and whatever the moon is that you land on, I'm sure it will be a juicy <laughs> one and a lot of fun. I hate to do this. Our 20 minutes has come to a grinding halt and oh, no. wrap every podcast at Team Corker with one question, and that is, what is currently making your heart beat faster? Mm, what is making my heart beat faster? For me right now, um, there's two things. The podcast space is making my heart beat faster like crazy. I feel just incredibly lucky to be in the position I am to talk to the people I can talk to, people like yourself. So that's really firing me up. And the second thing that's really firing me up and making my heart beat faster is what I do professionally. Like I work in the socially responsible investment space and the world is moving in, in some beautiful directions. And I think the public is waking up to how we can vote with our dollar. And I think that you know, there's so much positive things that are happening in the world right now as it pertains to change, as it pertains to sustainability. And I'm just like, I have this sense of hope where I'm like, oh, we can do it. I think we can. And I haven't had that sense of hope and as it pertains to this topic, maybe ever. So that's really firing me up these days. I love it. Well, may your day be full of hope and maybe <laughs> all tuck a little bit of hope into our hearts. And thanks for doing what you're doing and sharing what you know to be true through your lived experience. It's really cool to riff with you and I wish you nothing but the very best. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me.